Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's uh, Ryan Amato. I'm here today with Mike Patero. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I've known Mike for quite a while now, and it's always really fun to go over to his house and talk. We have a lot in common. Yes. That's what we're going to talk about. Could you just kind of uh, explain to everybody about Mike? (laughs) Sure. Um, Professionally, I work as a professor uh, for American Military University. I work part-time for East Stroudsburg University as well as Northampton Community College. I teach criminal justice. Um, I've since branched out and have done some publications, presentations, webinars, blogs, you name it. I'm trying to get on board with it. I'm in the process right now of writing another book. This will be my third book that comes out. And it's focusing on criminal justice careers, what you need to get into the career, and then basically how to survive in the career due to depression, PTSD and suicide amongst correctional officers, law enforcement officers. How did you get involved in all this? Oh, I, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, that's a good question. No one's ever asked that. That's surprising. Um, what happened was when I worked for the local prison here in Easton, I noticed that a number of um, officers that I worked with had committed suicide. And I found that it seemed disproportionate to the number of people I know in general. So, for example, you know, I spent 16 years in corrections. I'm 53 years old right now, but there are more people I knew in corrections that had committed suicide than people I had known since, say, kindergarten. So when I delved into it a little bit more to find out, you know, is this a problem? Is it confined just to Eastern areas? Is it confined to PA? Is it regional? Um, When I did the publication, it turns out that this is an international problem that's kind of showing that um, stress, burnout, suicide are kind of built into the corrections career. In other words, that our suicide rate is two to four times higher that of law enforcement officers, and law enforcement officers are twice that of the general citizens. Wow. And we also have um, an average life expectancy of age 59. So it's kind of concerning. From stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Stress, anxiety, not eating well, 
um, that fight or flight syndrome that you go through, that constant state of hypervigilance working in this profession? What have you come across that, that actually helps? I mean, what can you tell somebody? I can kind of relate to it because I've experienced it on my own. I think that's what gives me a little bit more credibility when I speak. Uh, when I do these presentations, I tell them my background. And I think that when you start to talk to people, especially in criminal justice, they tend to be very reserved. They're not trusting, I guess, of outsiders. So when they realize that I'm one of them, you know, I've been there, done that, I seem to get more attention then. So I explain like things that have worked for me as far as working out, as far as changing your diet, um, using a little mindfulness, you know, trying to switch things around. So techniques that I've used to kind of push the stress, anxiety, and depression aside a bit so that you can actually function. And, and realizing you're not alone and the stigma, uh, you know, I think for the first part of my life, I was always afraid to kind of share anything personal about myself because I would consider it to be a weakness, you know, a vulnerability. You know, especially in my profession, I thought it would have this um, kind of damaging effect on my career as far as, you know, getting promoted. Um, but I think you get to a certain age where you just don't care. And I, as soon as I started talking about it, I realized other people started talking about it. So, so we've talked about this too yeah. here, and we—it's—it's it's amazing uh, when you do start talking about right. it, how many people have anxiety, or, or depression, or panic right. attacks. Um, just here in our company, I, everybody has it. Everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I think that that helps. To, I know it helps me. Right. Um, even if I'm having anxiety, to say, "Hey, Mike, I'm having anxiety right now." Exactly. Um, it doesn't make you crazy. Right. Or anything like that. We were just talking before we, we were on the air here about, um, you know, your panic mm -hmm. or anxiety happens when nothing's going on. Exactly. So you can be in front of a whole group of kids exactly. at school or young adults giving a speech and you're fine. Hey, fine. Never a problem. Never. And <laughs> a police officer can be out on the street dealing with, you know, uh, the worst of the worst exactly. as they're fine. Or a firefighter can be in a fire, he's fine, or she's fine, until they get into a quiet place at home. Exactly. exactly. And um, somewhere in there is hopefully a solution. I think there's a solution. I think um, you really have to involve your friends and family members and bring them on board to kind of recognize what you're going through. People who have never experienced you know, anxiety or depression don't understand it and they always question like well why <laughs> you know everything's going well in your life why you know that's it and I'm like I can't answer that why I don't know why yeah you know but um you kind of learn ways to manage it I wouldn't say that there's a cure all for it because I think that would be you know a million dollar you know business but unfortunately there is a way to control it so I think that that's what I focus on is controlling that for myself and when I go to present at conferences, trying to help others, but realizing that it's not abnormal. You know, it's listed as a psychological disorder and that gets people, you know, in a frenzy thinking that they have some type of, you know, severe mental illness. But it's like you mentioned before, it's so common, you know, and there's different degrees of it. There's mild anxiety, there's, you know, very, very severe anxiety, there's mild depression, there's chronic depression. Mm -hmm. So it ranges, and a lot of it could be situational, depending on what's going on in your life. When did you realize you first had it? Whew. God, it, it's been so long. I would say probably in my 20s. I was in college, you know, and I started to experience um, these weird sensations as uh, almost as if I was having a heart attack. 
you know, but being, you know, in your 20s, you're like, that's really not, I mean, it's possible, but it's really not likely to occur. But I took a quick uh, trip to the ER one day because it really, I had the symptoms. The symptoms were there. My blood pressure was up, pulse was up. So I was rushed to the emergency room, and it was at that time that they diagnosed me with the general, you know, anxiety disorder. I've been there. I've been to the hospital a few times. Yeah, yeah, same thing. All they do is give you a little bit of uh, a Xanax in your outdoor. Right, exactly. So exactly. You have to kind of just fight through it. Exactly. Um, so you, you enjoy what you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can tell just talking to absolutely. you. Do you have maybe one or two favorite things? Like, oh my God, I'm going to get to go do this. Um, I look forward to teaching and, and even presenting. I think anything I do, it, it's, you know, it's very rewarding to me. You know, if, I've always been of that mindset, I like helping others, you know, so that's my satisfaction. Um, I'm not one to be in sales or anything like that where, you know, I'm trying for monetary, you know, satisfaction. I mean, obviously, I, I like my money, but um, I get more satisfaction out of people succeeding. You know, I like to see people succeed. You know, we're, we're living in a time now where you see more negativity than anything positive, especially on social media. Um, but I personally like when people succeed. I, I love that, you know? So if a friend of mine succeeds and they do something well, I want to promote that. So I think that's kind of built into my personality. And I think it's a change from criminal justice, though, because there were limited success stories, if you would. So teaching is more about success, you know? Helping people launch their careers. And I see, obviously, on social media, you're still in contact with students. Yes, yes, so yes. I, I like to see that, that they're always in contact with you and you're always happy for what they're doing. And yes. I mean, you post it. Exactly. That's a good thing. I try not to be the traditional uh, professors of like past decades um, where you have your set office hours and it's that one hour on Wednesday and if the student can't meet you, then they have to wait till next Wednesday. So I try to make myself available 24-7. Oh, well. And when I started this, you know, giving out my, you know, email and my personal email and my phone number, you know, some of my colleagues were like, why are you doing that? That's going to be crazy. But with teaching at three universities, you know, juggling, I would say, probably on average, two to three hundred students, I get five phone calls a week, if that. Most really? of it's text messaging. So no one's ever abused it in all the times that I've been, you know, working. Nothing's ever happened. No nasty comments no. or they're upset no. with the grade or uh, no no i've always explained everything and i think also i can kind of relate to a lot of my students because i went to school part-time as a single father and i think that helps me to kind of uh stay grounded and humbled in a sense you know that i can work with people realizing that you know things do come up and so i'm a little bit more approachable and accessible and i think that's what's helped me hmm. so you just led me into my next question <laughs> if i may sure so I know Mike. Mike has two two sons, mm -hmm. yes, uh, who you raised by yourself, yes, um, which uh, I couldn't imagine that. That's hard. Yes. <laughs> so between your whole work life, um, plus raising your sons and a house mm -hmm. and and everything else, your personal life, right? I mean, how did you manage that? Wow. Um, I don't know how I managed it. I think it became more of a survival instinct. Um, when I went through the divorce and the kids were essentially given to me as primary caregiver, um, they were both five, five and four, I think, at the time it happened. So I was in, I just had started my doctorate program, so that's another thing that I was pursuing. So here I am pursuing my doctorate degree uh, part-time. 
I'm working full-time, I'm working part-time, I'm raising two kids, trying to keep the house afloat. Um, I don't know. A lot of people have asked me that, and I, I think that when you're faced in, with a crisis of some sort, you, you find a way, you just, you just manage. You know, so that's, the, that's also the other part of me, too, is where if I were to have somebody that constantly complains, that's probably one of my character flaws is like, come on, you know, I've been there, done that, this is, you can do this, you know. Right. So you find ways of doing it, you know, you learn how to study in the morning while you're eating your cereal, you know, you, you take care of your kids and then when they go to bed, you get back to the books or you work on your work, you know, something of that nature. But you, you find ways to survive and basically how to succeed. And it all worked out. I think it made me a better person. I always try to learn something from every experience, even if it's a negative experience take away something positive from that. So, and I think that helped. Do you have, do you have, no, it's great. I mean, when I met you, um, we met from a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. um, we came over, I think it was my father. Mm -hmm. And I. I do remember that, yes. And somebody else, we painted your house. Yes. Um, I mean, we painted your house, we power washed your house, we did a deck, we messed up a deck. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I just helped you paint your bathroom, so you yes. can sell your house, and congratulations yes. with Thank all you. that. So you're Thank building you. a house now. Correct. Starting, yes. starting all over. Starting all Basically. over again, yes. That's exciting. It is exciting. I'm ready to kind of, you know, launch a new chapter. Yeah. You know, it's an exciting journey. Have you... Um, I've kind of done the same thing. Have you had any difficulties, or have you have you seen anything that's been like eye-opening when you've taken two families and, and kind of blended them together? No, there's little quirks, you know, trying to get used to each other's, you know, habits and routines and things of that nature. But no, I haven't really noticed anything that it went smoother. Let's put it that way. Went smoother than I thought it would. Yeah. You know, especially the blending of the children. I wasn't worried about our relationship because that was kind of solidified. But the kids, I was a little hesitant about, and like, how's this going to work out? You know, because you add two more kids to your home and a dog on top of that. But um, it was a smooth transition. You know, and the kids are getting along well, and everybody seems to be doing well. No, I see you all the time. I see you on social media. You guys travel a lot. Yeah. How are you traveling with yeah. anxiety? Oh, gosh. Um, the medication, I have to take medication for it. It's the only way I can function at this time. Um, as far as the traveling, I have the ability to work from home. So essentially, um, anywhere where there's internet, I can work. So that's given me, um, I guess you could say, the great fortune of being able to travel. And given that Christina is a travel agent, you know, that helps as well. So when she books a trip, I'm like, I'll go with you. So I can still work from Greece, I can work from Italy. Um, which I did. I can work from a cruise line in, you know, the Bahamas or Jamaica. So and you can manage the anxiety. So do you have anxiety traveling? I don't. I don't necessarily. Um, I've noticed for me, it, it comes when I'm overwhelmed. You know, if I don't sleep well over a period of time, that will build on it. I also notice when I'm sick. I don't know what happens, but I notice it, it picks up at that point. But if I'm overly stressed, it, it tends to get the best of me. But the other good thing about my relationship, there's a lot of good things, let's make sure I clarify that. <laughs> but the other good thing is that we're kind of like, you know, yin and yang connection there. She's very mellow, she's very down to earth, I'm more hyper, I'm the worrier. 
Um, I'm the guy that's looking five years ahead. She's like in the present. Mm -hmm. So we, we kind of complement each other in that sense and that she's able to kind of keep me grounded. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so good. Yeah, so I've been able to talk to her when I'm feeling that and she's kind of throws some logic at me and then it kind of makes sense. Even though you know the answers are in your head, Sometimes when you hear it from somebody else that you respect and admire, it makes sense. I understand. Now, sometimes yeah. I need somebody to say, hey, yeah, right. settle down. Exactly. It's all going to be good. Yes. <laughs> so true. It. Stop working. Yes. Yep. Go from there. Exactly. Um, thinking back, um, we don't have to call them regrets, but mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that sticks in your mind that uh, I wish I could have really done that differently, maybe in, in business or personal? Business, no. Um, I would say personal, you know, my marriage was horrific. The divorce was even worse. Um, I think I should have left earlier. You know, I think that that caused a lot of issues. I should have been a little bit more proactive instead of reactive. But other than that, no, I think it was a good move. You know, when I switched careers from criminal justice jumping into teaching it was a leap of faith because i didn't really have a safety net because <laughs> i was i'm single at the time two kids you know in school so there was really no financial or emotional safety net if i didn't make it but again i think that helped me to kind of like swim harder in a sense and stay afloat because i had no choice so i made it work so initially I took on multiple teaching jobs, a bunch of part-time things and kind of combined them to get like a salary. And then I was offered to full-time. So it all kind of came together. I wouldn't advise people to do it that way. It just kind of worked out for me, but I was fortunate. But a lot of it had to do with, I got to make this work. There was no other choice, you know. I, I just left my career, you know, I just left my pension, everything. And oh, wow. I started over from the beginning. So it was, it was a leap of faith, but you have to have confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to do it. And do it. And do it. Right. right. First year was tough, you know, but uh, I think after that it, it got better. And each year it does. It tends to get much better. And I think what, what we see now, and I think we talked about this before, is um, the, the young people that I see coming through for, from mm -hmm. my end right. who are painters mm -hmm. um, are just accept, like, expecting a lot of things. Yes. Um, for our industry, which is a service industry, that's tough because you know, we need you to show up on time, we need you to work all day, we, we, we build people on the production that we can do, that's how right. we make our money. Right. Um, we're finding that that's not happening. Um, do you find that, you have a lot of students, how are you, how are you managing that as far as them getting their work done? I mean, I know they have to do yeah, it, yeah. but they don't pass. Right. Um, but you talk to a lot of a lot of students, right? Can't say all. I don't want to like kind of like criticize an entire generation, but you do notice a work ethic. There's a difference there. Um, that, but you know, I I could say there's those outliers that really push themselves, and I see that you know, and I tend to gravitate towards them a little bit more. But then you do have those that kind of want everything now, you know. And I'm like, well, I had to work to get to this point. You know, I'm 30 years into my field <laughs> so now everything's coming together for me but you know starting out you're going to be working the holidays you're going to be working weekends you're going to be getting paid very poorly um you're the low guy on the totem pole so you got to kind of pay your dues you know again though i look at that as a positive is that you know it kind of builds character 
But a lot of people want to come right out of the gate making, you know, eighty to $100,000. And it's, I'm sorry, it's just not possible, <clears throat> you know, or it's not likely, you know, to do so. And you guys got to kind of earn your way there, you know, earn the respect. But when I teach, I also talk about, like, um, how to succeed in this field. Like, you know, one of the things I stress is that come in earlier. You know, it says so much if your employer sees you coming in 10 minutes early. That's it, 10 minutes. <laughs> But if you come in right one minute before you're supposed to work, that also says a lot. You're still on time, you're still early, but there's a huge difference with the nine minutes. Absolutely. You know, volunteer to do some things, you know, try to get yourself involved, you know, with committees and boards and volunteer in the community, pay back. So I'm a big advocate for doing things like that so you get noticed more. Because a lot of it is, as you know, it's uh, name recognition, it's, you know, it's, who you know. It is definitely who you know. Right, and yeah. you know, it, I think that's helped me. You know, I can't even remember the last time I actually applied for something. It's just, you know, I know people. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's something that you have to earn and build that trust and, you know, that character and that reputation. That takes sometimes years, decades to get to. Sometimes doing things for free. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, just absolutely. do it for free, go out and, and help people. Um, we just had a job where uh, I went out a year ago to do an estimate for somebody to paint. I think it was his mother's house. He was trying to take wallpaper off. Mm -hmm. When I got out there, I knew that he had a budget. Right. They're trying to sell the house, um, some issues in the family. Might have been a death in the family. Um, so I just really explained to him how mm -hmm. to do the job. Right, right. Us doing. So we did the job. Uh, we talked here and there throughout sure. the year. And then he handed us a substantial commercial project about a month ago. Right. Just out of the not me calling asking yeah, about absolutely. work. Yep. And they've been our they've been our best jobs where people just here. Yeah. Here's a job because we did something else. You exactly. Know, just, you know, be of service to people. Exactly. Yeah. What you put into it will come back to you. You know, it's it's definitely that good karma that comes back to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent years on boards and committees and doing publications where I wasn't reimbursed, but then it led to paid projects, paid presentations, paid boards, paid, you know, um, articles to write. So it does come back to you, but pro bono work is good for you. I think it's good to give back. You know, I think it's important that, you know, it's, it shows that you have a part of the community, you know, you want to be invested in it and giving back. You said um, you've written books, which I know. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you just don't wake up one day and, and say, hey, I'm going to write a book and do right. it. Could you explain that? process because um, I'm interested personally yeah it's, it's difficult um, I was fortunate because the books are sold primarily in the academic market meaning that typically they'll be assigned to college students so you kind of have a, a captive audience if you would <laughs> so but if I did it at you know in the free market kind of where the Barnes and Nobles and so forth then you just got to hope that your marketing gets the book out there and it starts to pick up so I found it to be more successful just staying with the academic market because then I know that it's going to sell um, because I can then pass it off to people within my field, people who want to get into my field. So there's a large segment of the population that I know that I can kind of count on. So my demographic would really be undergraduate students and criminal justice professionals. Was there a lot of pressure? Um, so you're putting yourself out there in everything, podcasts yes. and magazines and books mm -hmm. and 
you're in front of a lot of people, you're on social media. Yes. Is there a lot of pressure for you um, in the feedback that you get from people? Um, yeah, that's another good one. You're asking good questions. Um, when I first started, I would take offense to somebody. Um, I call them the haters or the trolls that would come out, especially on social media. You know, if I published an article, I would have, and it tended to be the same people that would come out and just find anything wrong with what I said and just counter it. Um, I've learned to kind of ignore that and not let that. I look for the majority. Is it working with the majority of individuals? Realizing that you're never going to satisfy everyone. There's always going to be some division, you know, especially with topics that I tackle. You know, you can see it in the United States right now. We're just heavily divided as a nation. So there's no way I'm going to put something out that's going to appeal to everybody. I've also learned to write in a different way, too, by staying neutral on a lot of these um, topics and kind of explain the problem, I guess you could say, what's happening, what we need to do, but kind of not really taking a side. So for example, if I was going to take on um, gun control, I know that's a heavily, you know, and a heated type of discussion, so, but I've been trying to tackle it neutral by saying that we need to, <clears throat> you know, get back to kids with coping skills and resilience. Because when you and I were younger, we didn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, we didn't have any of those things, any of those problems. Um, you know, people will say, well, it's mental illness. Well, we've had mental illness that hasn't gone anywhere. We've had guns. <laughs> so there's more to it. We're missing the third component. And to me, it's coping skills. Mm -hmm. You know, that people don't seem to be able to cope with frustration and disappointment. And so they resort to violence. So that's something that people, I think, can relate to. And that one did very well. So I kind of tackled the gun control but I didn't take a position as to what I feel. And no one knows what I feel. So I kind of just approached it from, we're missing that third component. There's gotta be something else besides um, the guns and the mental illness. Not saying that they're not relevant, but there's gotta be something else that we're missing here. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with kids today or young adults are having trouble coping, you know, coping with all that stress and frustration. Even with suicide, you see the murder suicides are very popular, you know? So rather than taking out yourself through suicide, you end up going into a school or into some mall or something and you try to take out as many people as possible. So I think that that kind of has helped me by realizing that I'm going to have the people that are always going to have hateful messages and, you know, troll me if you would on social media. Did you respond to them initially? <coughs> initially, initially I did, then I stopped. Okay. Yeah. I'm asking for my <coughs> personal. Uh, yeah. You know why? Because it becomes, with those individuals, that they kind of want to engage you. So it's, it's not a winnable argument, if you would. Not that anybody should really win, but you're just going to go in a circle. Mm -hmm. You'll throw out facts, they'll throw out facts, and you just keep going on. It was just wasting my time and energy. You know? And I think that there are some people, unfortunately, that kind of hide behind computer screens. And so you know, they have those cyber muscles, I call them where you know, they spread with their thoughts, but wouldn't really tell you in person. Yeah. You know? So I kind of got used to that, and you know, I just let them go. You know? Because I found that if you engage them, it just ends up being more hateful, and then other people join in, it's not worth it. Yeah. If you just cut it and just don't give them any attention, they disappear. We do get it, but believe it or not, we're yeah. a painting company, I mean, and we have uh, haters, I guess you want to yeah. call them. Yeah. I mean, you use the wrong 
pole. Why is that bucket over there? Why are you using that paint? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're a hack. You're this. You're that. That's crazy. Yep. Unfortunately. For a painter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, that's that's the world we live in. You know, people resort to Yelp and Google. You know, for reviews and. You know, unfortunately, you're going to have some that are, you know, going to put poor reviews. I found that people that do reviews are the ones that really liked you, but the ones that really didn't. Exactly. And you're missing that probably 80% in between there that are very content, but just don't do it. <laughs> if you read ours, exactly what you just said. Yep. If you see a bad one, it's going to be a very emotional, yes. uh, you've ruined my life <laughs> right. <a> review. <laughs> um, and if it's a good one, oh my God, you guys are the best thing that ever happened to us. Right. Um, and typically, those the good ones will, will keep following us. Yes, for years and years, yep. and post nice nice things, and you know, they're, they're usually the good people. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. More some more fun questions than sure. than murder and suicide. <laughs> sure. And on the internet. Um, you wake up in the morning, and you can do anything that you want to do, and there's no work that day. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I would say I'd probably go outside. You know, I'm a big outdoors person. I love hiking. I like to kind of clear my head and be outside. That's a big thing for me. I struggle in the winter months when there's not much to do, you know, or it's limited and it gets dark so early. But um, I love being outdoors. I'm not necessarily a TV person, you know. Um, so that would be kind of my ideal you know, thing to do, you know, just to kind of get out there, enjoy, you know, the world. And if I... If I if I spoke to your kids, what would they tell me about you? <laughs> oh wow, that's a good one. I'm not sure what they would say. Um, we, that might be a good video. Yeah, we we differ in a lot of respects. You know, I'm I'm more kind of um, focused on my career, and you know, they're not as focused on that. So I don't know what they would necessarily say. That's a that's a tough one. You know, I I honestly don't know. What about um, if I spoke to anybody who's around you, mm -hmm. what would they tell me your, your strongest personality trait is? I would like to think that people would say, you know, that I'll, I'm the person that'll kind of drop things to do something for you. Um, that I make time. I think that's a good one, make time for people. You know, I think that's important too. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's kind of what I look for you know, I strive for is, you know, to try to, you know, it makes me feel good to do something for others, you know, so I don't necessarily need anything in return, you know, a simple thank you works for me. Um, and I think the kids would probably say the same, you know, I mean, if you had to have a serious conversation with them, I think that would be something that they would probably say as well. Mm -hmm. Do you have something that you've always wanted to do and you haven't had a chance to do it yet? Travel more. I'm just starting it now, so I guess I, you could say I'm getting a late start on the traveling. Um, but I want to travel as much as I can. That's the big thing, you know. The American dream is you work hard for 40 years, you retire. By that time, you're also limited physically. You know, you may be experiencing some health problems by the time you retire. So the American dream is a little backwards, in my opinion. So I'm trying to live now, you know, and do the things I want to do now. Because I don't know what the future holds. Right. So I really want to start. I, I have a different mindset, I think, than I did, say, 20 years ago, where, you know, obviously I'm saving money and, you know, being fiscally responsible, but I also want to, 
not be house poor and car poor and you know I, I don't want to like overextend myself financially I want to travel more to me I'm getting more satisfaction out of traveling mm -hmm. you know visiting different cultures and different places different foods um, that to me is more exciting so I don't want you know the seven bedroom mansion you know six bathrooms type of thing that's not something I would strive for if I had the means to do it which I don't but if I had the financial means to do it I wouldn't you know, I want that kind of moderate home, good, happy family, have friends, and then travel as much as I can. So that's what I've been working on. Yeah, and you're with the right person. Yeah, absolutely, agent. absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, do you have Do you have a goal in, in mind for this year, or do you do you set goals? I set goals. Yeah. Short term goals. I do short and long term goals. Um, I wouldn't call them resolutions like New Year's resolutions, but it does seem that January kind of kicks in a lot of my thoughts. Um, I want to do more presentations. I want to do more trainings in particular. Um, I've realized that, you know, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. I've accepted what my weaknesses are and kind of really want to hone in on my strengths. And some of those strengths are focusing on these topics about leadership, about um, communication, emotional intelligence, stress, burnout, things that I've... Um, done well with as far as researching and presenting on and I know that it's kind of um, attracted a, a pretty large following so I want to follow up on that and expand even further. But I also realize that I'm branching out a little too much and I have a bad tendency to burn out mm -hmm. and that's a huge character flaw for me <laughs> is that I'll extend myself too far. I'm the yes man. So I'm trying to now work with others, partners. So if I do a publishing project I would have taken it on myself because I wanted to establish myself. I think I'm at the point where I feel comfortable with what I've established and my reputation, then now I want to branch out to others and say, hey, how about we work on this together? So I don't know. I think in the past I was a little reluctant to do that because I was afraid that, you know, I wanted to kind of establish myself mm -hmm. and, you know, get that name recognition. So my goal for this year is, is to extend out but to do with others. So I'm not doing everything from A to Z. I may be doing A to C, someone else picks up D, E, F, and, and continues onward. And you're good sharing that. The, I am now. I'm at a good point. Yes, yes. I'm at a good point where I finally feel good about that. I guess yeah. you get rid of that little vanity and that, you know, try to be a little bit more modest about it. Mm -hmm. um, somebody just graduating college, which do you do mm -hmm. all the time? What would be maybe three like huge things you would tell them mm -hmm. about life? Um, Stick to your word. I think that's a big one that sometimes we lose that is, you know, your word is everything. Um, integrity goes a long way, you know, being very, you know, having a lot of integrity. Um, be passionate, you know, communicate. I could probably go on and on. I can't really think of three top three. I keep thinking like, um, you know, just kind of be who you are. Don't let that change you, especially in today's world, you know. Let me backtrack and answer that. In criminal justice, it could be negative. You know, there's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of jaded officers and, you know, staff members. And I know that from working in the field. So I tell my future graduates, don't become that guy or that woman. You know what I mean? Kind of don't get involved with those toxic people. Try to distance yourself. Do what you think is right. If it's not right, don't do it. You know, so I think that's kind of maintaining yourself. A lot of People, especially when you're younger, you want to follow with the crowd, I guess you could say, or follow with your coworkers what they're doing. I said, but that may not be healthy or may not be legal. <laughs> and so, 
you know, try to just maintain that sense of pride in doing what you are supposed to be doing. You know, what happens? And this is off topic, but mm-hmm. what happens when you're uh, you're working in a prison and you see the stories about the prison guards who actually end up helping out the mm-hmm. the inmates, right. uh, whether they're sneaking things in or sneaking things out, or um, I mean, what goes through? their minds, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, there's multiple things that go through. Unfortunately, corruption is a problem, you know, it's, it's a problem in every profession, but for us, you know, you're kind of, um, you're the law enforcers, you know, you're care, custody, and control. So we're held to a higher pedestal, a higher echelon, if you would. So you would think that through the extensive background investigations, the psychological, the physicals, the medical, the academy, like we're getting the best really because we weeded out everything. We've gone through your child um, history, we've gone through academic, we've gone through your psychological, we know what medications you're on, we've gone through your bank accounts. So we do an extensive review of that person and then when we choose them, we think this is the golden child. And then you wonder, well, how does somebody then cross that line from law-abiding to law-violating? And it's hard to really answer that. I think a lot of it is a quick dollar. Um, I think that that's a huge problem. For example, cigarettes, um, rationalizing, this is a big one. Cigarettes or tobacco products are banned in most prisons, particularly in Pennsylvania. So they're on the black market, essentially. So a pack of cigarettes, let's say, is, I don't know what a pack of cigarettes are, let's say $10 just, you know, for the sake of the conversation. So you bring that $10 pack of cigarettes in, you sell it for $100. It's $90 profit. And, but the officer rationalizes in his or her head, it's only cigarettes. It's not illegal. So, but the problem is when you do it once, it leads to a slippery slope then afterwards because you've now made it, you've justified it in your head that it's acceptable to do so. Same thing, let's say you take drug money. Most places the money goes into district attorney's office, evidence. So a lot of uh, police officers will rationalize, I don't get paid enough, this is dangerous, it's dirty money anyway. Um, No one will miss a thousand dollars. And once you do it, you've made it acceptable. And when you make something acceptable in your head, it's easier to go through it again. And unfortunately, we've seen many, many that have fallen down that track for a couple dollars, you know, and it's hard to, you know, one thing, you're risking your career. Second thing is you're risking being incarcerated yourself. So to me, it, it doesn't make sense why you would jeopardize everything yeah. like that. Is it in the same lines as a teacher who has a relationship with, with their student? Yeah. yeah, or a correctional officer that has a relationship with an inmate. That's a problem as well. Um, yeah, and, and we're seeing a lot of that as well. Maybe not seeing a lot of it. I think with social media, we're noticing it more. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it went on in the 70s and 80s and so forth, but I think we, we're paying more attention to it now. Um, but if you notice, and I want to do a research project on this, it seems to be more female teachers with students than it is male teachers with students, which I find pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a bias there because if it's a male teacher, we go, oh, he's a pervert, you know, pedophile. But if it's a female teacher, we go, well, she, you know, she's going through some emotional problems, you know, it's a, it's a distorted love relationship. We seem to kind of justify her actions. And um, the way people perceive it. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you hear about a, a female teacher who was with a student. And yeah. 
all the guys go, oh, wow. Yeah. I wish I was that guy. Exactly, exactly. Um, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't right. tell. Right. But the reverse is not a good thing. Exactly. It's still exploitation, and it's still statutory rape, you know? The law is very specific, adult, minor, it's black and white. <laughs> so, and since a teacher is in a position of authority over the student, it raises the ante of raising it up to, you know, a higher level crime because that teacher has power. You know, whether it's real or perceived power over the student. Yeah. Same so, as the boss, same as, a, as a me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The same type of thing there. Same as a professor. Yeah. You know, it would be the same type of concept. And, you know, I work with all adults, but still you're having power and authority over someone that it becomes a crime. Hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I mean, we can chit-chat here all day. <laughs> no, I can't I think it. of anything. Yeah. No, no, I appreciate this. No, I appreciate you having it in. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It. Cool. Sure. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.